not a good look for my production team when the production team on the morning show is getting me all set and prepped, ready for today. You know, pretty big day, guys. Pretty big day for the show. And here we are, as those God knows where, walking around. Mackie and Jobo are yelling at each other about Arsenal all morning, <laughs> ruining my day again. They're right, so bad. Right away, the second I get in. And they're not bad, all right? I've told you guys, I those are my gunners too, all right? Yeah. Austin's just mad because his team is 15 points behind. Okay, that's enough yeah. for me. The old, here's what I know about what's going on with English soccer right now. Wrexham, promoted. Promoted, Ariel baby. Hawani, stoked about his team, something Forest. Nottingham, Nottingham Forest. Forest. Yeah, something Forest. They the scored forest. a penalty kick, and he broadcasted it, and he was fired up. And I think Chelsea sucks this year. Terrible. Yeah, there really you go. Really bad. And that was Soccer Talk with yep. JD. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> wow. All right. On to things that I know about or <laughs> pretend to at least. One, Blue Jays last night or not last night, yesterday afternoon. I just got to talk about Kikuchi before I get into the Leafs. Okay. We're all nervous about the Leafs game. I'm going to talk to Craig Simpson in like 10 minutes and we'll break down all of, yeah, the ins and outs of this game. And I'll basically just try to get him to answer my questions as I sit here kind of nervously, as it dawns on me that this is a reality of this evening. Okay. It feels like Kikuchi is straight up the most popular athlete in the city right now. Like, am I, am I crazy? Is he more popular than Ryan O'Reilly? Did you hear the pop that he got in that game when he left? Have you not been seeing the way that he's been received on social media? The guy is a superstar. The redemption arc. People are loving it. Toronto's <laughs> favorite athletes right now, Kerfoot and Kikuchi. Yeah, exactly. Who would have yeah. thought? <laughs> Kerfoot scoring OT winners. Kikuchi just lights out almost six innings. He went five and two-thirds, right? Yeah. And he got lifted? Yeah. Either way, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm loving this so much. This is so great. And I think that what makes it extra special is that there doesn't seem to be a flukiness with what Kikuchi's doing. He's not your run-of-the-mill fifth starter who's going out there and having a little bit of a hot streak. He's not like some Wade Miley type who every once in a while shows up and has a sick year and you go, man, this is crazy. He's got nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. And there's something about it, whether it's a student, whether it's a person in the workplace, whether it's a family member, someone who starts to actualize their potential, it just hits a little different, right? There's just a little bit different excitement around that, no matter what sphere of your life is involved in that. And that's how I, that's what I think is happening with Kikuchi. One is, I really don't believe most people want to crap on athletes. We do it because it's a release and it's supposed to just be fun and it's supposed to just be sports. And then social media sort of changed the game with that, right? Because mm -hmm. all of a sudden you saying to someone, player X stinks in a bar became you being able to send a message that player X might see. <laughs> Directly to them. Which changed the game in terms of just the way we talk about athletes, right? And trying to find this weird space of what is a guy supposed to do? How's a guy supposed to... But man, last year, Kikuchi, the struggles were painful to watch. Painful. Guy couldn't get out. And you could see it all over his face. And I used to think, too, that... With him not speaking English and it not being his first language, he must have felt so isolated and lonely. Imagine the interpreter always going up to him. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, the guys say keep your head up. <laughs> Thanks. Let's go home now alone. Woof. Nightmare. 
And here he is this year taking his spring and turning it into a real meaningful regular season start where he's been awesome. Unquestionably, one of the Blue Jays, he's okay. He's definitely the Blue Jays story of the season so far. It's either him or Matt Chapman, but considering the turnaround that Kikuchi's had, I think it's 100% him. Fan base is loving it, giving him the reception he deserves. People are loving old take. This is a good one too, because we can all old take exposed together because nobody had the, well, I still think Kikuchi's going to be fine three quarters of the season last year. Nobody thought that was happening. Everybody piled on. And so, yeah, it's almost like this mass forgiveness by Toronto or this mass apology by Toronto asking it from this guy who clearly is a gem of a dude. Do you see him after who made the play in the outfield? Oh, it was Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield. Makes that out in the outfield. And just like Kikuchi's just smiling away, having a great time. And I went, this dude rules. (laughs) I love this guy. Kikuchi goes off. Standing O, city, athlete, beautiful harmony right now between the two. I'm absolutely loving this story. I can't wait for him to pitch. I can't wait to actually get down to a game where he's pitching because I feel like there's going to be a different vibe in there when he starts shutting it down and people go, hell yeah, this is our guy. We've always been Kikuchi guys (laughs) and girls. All right. This is his city. This is a Kikuchi town. Anyway, I just, I think people are thrilled to see it. I genuinely believe that right now today, when it comes to approval rating, polling numbers of, of people who are paying attention, right? I'm not talking about the person who has no idea that this is going on and was stuck right. in last year. People who are fa- uh, paying attention to Toronto sports deeply right now. Kikuchi approval rating through the roof. People absolutely love him. I think he's one of the most popular guys in the entire city. Who is not one of the most popular guys in the city? It's Michael Bunting, <laughs> who's from here and has a great story. Great life story. Mm-hmm. So... I thought Bunting was going to draw back in yesterday. I said as much. I just It made sense to me all the way through, and I'll double down on that, okay? Because we're going to get Craig Simpson on in a couple of minutes here. And Okay, do we have the audio of Sheldon Keefe talking about Bunting, Austin? Yeah? All right. So Bunting is not coming in, and Sheldon Keefe revealed it this way yesterday. We're just comfortable with the group that's been, been working here and won three games in a row. So obviously... You know, his situation opened the door for someone like Matthew Nines to come in, and he did a terrific job for us. And and uh, the chemistry of the rest of the group just makes it, uh, you know, it's not an easy decision because Bunce has played, played really good hockey for us and has been an important guy for our team. Um, but really the message was that he will get back in. It's just not going to be tomorrow. Uh-huh. Okay, so a couple things there. One, Keith stops himself in the... It's just the chemistry of the group, and then he sort of zags. He sort of moves off of it right away, which I thought was pretty interesting, right? Because here's the thing. That's what this is all about, the chemistry of the group. Michael Bunting is not one of the Leafs. He's not the 13th best forward on this team. There's no discussion about whether or not he or Sam Lafferty can have more of an impact on a hockey game. This comes down to a chemistry fit. And and I know that there are people out there that are worried about, well, what if Bunting starts doing the antics? Sam Lafferty's playing nine minutes a game. How much impact can Michael Bunting have in those nine minutes that he would be playing in place of Sam Lafferty? I would argue not that much. It's, to me, a pretty perplexing decision. So clearly Bunting will drop back in at some point if the Leafs continue to go on a run, whatever. But to me, I guess it's a little disappointing. I don't agree with it. 
A lot of people do. I understand the case for it. I understand the don't change a winning thing mentality. But to me, like, not to go too crazy with this, but yeah, there's like if Austin Matthews is suspended, he's drawn back in, right? So this whole winning lineup thing is where do you draw the line with the stuff? And Michael Bunting has 46 goals in the last two seasons with the Toronto Maple Leafs. 46. This is a team that struggled to find depth scoring in the postseason before. Mm-hmm. And also, they have a history of giving up on a guy in Nazem Kadri. Granted, he didn't get a chance to draw back in. That burnt them quite significantly. To me, he brings up Matthew Nyes as an example of, oh, okay, well, Nyes took his spot. Because it's a nice way of comforting him. Going, hey, you know the guy who's been on... He's 4-1 when he's on the ice, who I just promoted to the top six. That's the reason he's not in. And you go looking at that at surface and go, well, that makes sense. Matthew Nyes, last guy in, first guy out, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Matthew Nyes doesn't get moved. Mm-hmm. Him his, him even bringing up his name, it, it's almost irrelevant here. Right. In fact, Matthew Nyes, though, represents the mistake Keith made in the first place, which is if you're going <sighs> to... I don't know if Matthew Nyes would have drawn in in game two had Bunting not been suspended. But it's pretty clear at this point that he is one of the team's better players. Mm -hmm. He's a rookie, sure. He's one of the team's better players. And that for game one, the Toronto Maple Leafs did not put their best foot forward from a talent standpoint. And that's how I feel about the bunting situation right now is he's clearly one of your team's best players. So put him out there. How is it more advantageous to you to have Sam Lafferty, who just is not as talented and who can't bring as much to the table for you as it would be having Michael Bunting down your lineup with the potential of if you're trailing in a game, throwing him up there, or if you need him power play too, giving him a little bit of extra ice time, letting him earn his spot back. I just, I have a difficult time with the logic that, okay, well, he'll clearly draw back into lineup at some point because he's good enough to play for us in other meaningful games, but he's not good enough to play for us tonight, or we're going to give it to the other guys that have been here for us and have earned it for us. I... This is sports. It's a meritocracy. It's supposed to be, if you're good enough, you get in the lineup. And so, again, from my vantage point, I'd, I'd rather would have seen bunting in the lineup. I just think it makes more sense. I think that you play your best players, and I think that when you have guys who play with an edge, like Michael Bunting does, you have to be willing to forgive them for the mistakes they have. I think that it was important for Toronto's leadership to address it. I've said it many times before. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he should have played in the top six automatically, but I do think that he should have drawn into the lineup. I get it. It's not a hill that I'm going to die on, but that is my opinion on the matter. To me, it's a little strange. Sheldon Keefe, a new school coach, making what I think is a bit of an old school decision. Anyways, we'll see if it pans out tonight because pretty big stakes for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think this entire city feels as though, yeah, if you don't get it done tonight, the world around you is going to collapse and nothing is going to actually work out for you. And so, yeah, uh, I do think it's actually pretty important that they get this one done. Versteeg predicted earlier this week that he thinks Toronto loses this one because they grip the sticks too tight and then winning game six. I just don't want to see that at all. I would just love to see Toronto Maple Leafs fans have a free, clear weekend, a happy weekend, mm-hmm. and that maybe this man, I don't know, gets another day off for his family. It's Craig Simpson of Hockey Night in Canada, uh, Stanley Cup champion. Good morning, man. Thanks for doing this. Oh, how, how are you? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's okay. No stakes whatsoever here for the station, the network, and for the, the city. It's pretty much fine. 
<laughs> Are you nervous about playoff hockey? Then you're not. It's, you don't know how this works yeah, or what? It's very, like, it's very, very chill, Craig. Yeah, it's the best, right? There's, there's nothing like it. There just really isn't. And you know, I'm watching even the games last night. The Panthers come through. They find a way. Boston keeps yeah. scoring, and I'm thinking, man, Boston definitely has this in the bag. And the Cats find a way. And then that plucky Kraken team that's so likable. Uh, they just battled last night. I loved it. Stress-free. Now, tonight, you have to deal with the stress if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. If you're in this city, you're going to have to deal with the stressful part of it. Just the fun stuff is over. So I was just talking about bunting. Um, what do you make of Keith's decision? Oh, I, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer, really. Uh, no disrespect to Michael in the sense of I know he's, uh, you know, not, not a long-term veteran, but a veteran guy mm-hmm. enough, and he's shown that... He has an impact on this team. He's done his job. He's a good hard worker. All, all those factors. But it, you just realize that you put yourself into that situation by your actions. Mm-hmm. And from a coaching perspective, there are tough decisions to make every night on, on who you're going to sit, who's going to be out of the lineup that probably should be. And I just think you look at the collective uh, feeling of the team I'd be looking sideways. It's not one of your core four or five guys, and you just won three games in a row to get yourself into a position to finish this series up. You know that Michael Bunting is going to get a chance. If you can keep winning, mm-hmm. he's going to get a chance to play, whether it's an injury or whether you lose a game and you're looking for a different look and a different spark. But I think I think it would just be crazy to to go and look around this lineup that's won you three straight, two of them on the road in Tampa, uh, second best home team all season long. I, I think you'd be overthinking it if you took somebody out. And I think Bunting, as much as it's got to hurt deep down, understands how that works and knows that hey, if you happen to lose this one, you're looking for a different lineup the next one and that's where you'll get your chance and uh, I think that's the the reality of playoff hockey and part of it too is just the cohesiveness of your team I mean the that group that's just won three in a row who are you going to take out of that lineup right now and if you do you know what's that going to do to the to the bit of chemistry or confidence that the group has so I, I I'm not surprised at it at all I know it's a hard thing for him to handle, but I think he also realizes I'll get my chance. And when I do, that's when I have to prove that I'm ready to play and not take penalties and be a contributor. And Mm -hmm. you know how it works. Maybe he's the guy that scores a huge goal down the road, or maybe he's the guy that gets the game winner to, to get rid of Tampa in game six or seven. I mean, that's playoff hockey. Like you were just talking about off the top. Yeah. My, my thought is it makes sense from the standpoint, especially that Tampa's power play has been so deadly and you're afraid of engaging them in a way where bunting is making a bit of a, a show, right? And, and changing the dynamic of the game. My thought would be, though, if he does draw back in, that he ends up back down on your fourth line. And it's, and it's interesting when you talk about the chemistry and where he fits, because you're right, he's not a core four guy, but he played in the top six basically the entire season. And he had 23 goals this year, which is as many goals that Sam Lafferty has in 210 games his entire career. Um, And so I I do wonder what the chemistry part of this looks like, because I thought Kipper made a really good point on his show yesterday, which is if Austin Matthews asks for Bunting to come back in the lineup, he's probably back in the lineup. That's your best player. That's the face of your franchise. And that's a guy who's played on the same line as him 
for, yeah, the vast majority of the last two years. I guess when you look at this, yeah, the chemistry element, is is that actually paramount more than anything like strategically? Well, I, I think from a coach's perspective of saying, I look at who am I going to take out of the lineup? Right? Am I going to take out uh, a penalty killer? Yeah, that's a tough one. All, all it takes is a couple of guys, one key penalty killer getting injured, another one taking a penalty. And, I, you know, it's all about the makeup of, what your coaching decisions have to be. Um, it, it's not like you've got Yari Curry uh, and, and Wayne Gretzky saying, well, we got to have Yari back, right? <laughs> like, I, I know Bunting got 20 goals, but so did Yarncroke got 20 goals. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're looking at those decisions a little differently. Hey, it's like anything. You, you lose a bit of the trust of your, your boss it's harder to make those tough decisions to go right back to you, is it not? I mean, that's just in any business and any walk of life. And I, I just think that uh, if if you had split the last two in Tampa and coming off a loss coming home, I, I bet he'd find a way to make a change and maybe take Aston Reese out, maybe take Lafferty out and put him in. But again, there is a bit of an old adage in, in in any sport. I mean, why are you gonna break up a winning combination that just won three times in a row? Like, it it is something that you'd be kicking yourself after if something goes sideways and say, you know, there's plenty of time left in the playoffs if you can win this series. So Michael's gonna get his chance to be a contributor again. So I I don't find it at all a big deal, but maybe that's just where my brain's at. Do you think though it would it'd be tougher for Bunting to come back from this if they do go deeper? Just I would imagine if I'm like I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes here, and he's a guy who reportedly was pacing back and forth in the you know in the box watching these games losing it. I I was an assistant coach. It's crazy. This is what it's like. Yeah. So, So. I just I would imagine like for him to now come back, knowing that his coach didn't immediately take him as a guy again who's in a contract year, who made a huge mistake, so he has to at least be understanding that part of it. But if I'm him, I'm looking at the guys around me, and you said it about your employer not having the same faith in you, right? You go, okay, that's fine. The boss doesn't have the same disc, doesn't have the same understanding of me and what I do. What would hurt me the most if I'm Michael Bunting is not feeling supported by my teammates in a way where, again, Matthews does go to the table for me, where Marner does go to the, like, these guys I played on a line with all year, I thought we were one of the best lines in hockey in the last two seasons, and I would love it if one of you would step up and say, we want him back in the lineup. Do you think that part might be difficult to get over for him, or how do you think that factors into his future here, if at all? Who's who's saying that they haven't said, "Hey, I'd love to have you back in," but yeah. you, you got to remember, it, everybody wants to play. This is it, it's not like it's a heck of a privilege to get to play in the National Hockey League. There aren't many guys that get to do it, and there's only 23 skaters on a on a team at a time that you get your opportunity. This is the playoffs. This isn't a a random 45th game in the year. Everybody understands that you're making decisions that are totally based on us moving ahead and keep going forward. And, you know, if he's pacing, of course he is. He's a competitor. He wants to play. Show me a guy who doesn't want to be in the lineup, and I'll show you a guy that's going to be out of the league in no time, right? Mm -hmm. So I think coaches understand that. That's why it's not easy being in a leadership role and making tough decisions. But I mean, tell me honestly, if if 
eliminate all the noise around it, uh, his players will be supporting him. Austin Matthews will say, hey, don't worry. You'll get right back in there. Just stay positive. This, but tell me a guy on that lineup after winning three straight that wants to make a change right now. Mm-hmm. I, I would say there'd be zero. So that's that's what hockey's about. I mean that that's the the beauty of sport and and how difficult it is at times. And so he's just got a that it's part of the growth you have as a player. You you're gonna have times where you know your ego's hurt, uh, you're you're feeling sorry for yourself. But this isn't that time. This is a time in playoffs where if I have to play 28 minutes and do everything I can and pour my heart out to get us to win, I'll do it. If I only play five shifts, I'll do my best there. And if I got to sit this one out and be ready to play, I mean, that's the key. If he if he has any sense of what his value is going to be to this team, you better be ready when you get your chance. And yeah. you better be ready. You know, you, you don't sulk. You don't be a bad influence. You be supportive, as I'm sure he was with his teammates when, when you win. And you're supportive on the outside. And just you know that you're chomping at the bit that when your time comes, you're, you're ready to pounce and you're ready to play your best and contribute. Yeah, I think that's really good advice for him. It was interesting watching him speak to the media yesterday, though, where he was saying some of the stuff you're saying where he's going, I'm just going to be a good teammate and I'm going to cheer the guys on, but you could just see it on his face. He was crushed. Yep. You know, he was, Absolutely. he was devastated. And I was, I was waiting for the slip up almost because the body language was so not matching the words that he was saying that I kept right. going, come on, Bunting, don't do it. Don't say the thing, right? Just say what you're doing. You're doing fine. Just get out of there 20 more seconds. And he did it. So good for him. Good for him for making it out of there and not being uh, reactionary because I would think that, you know, maybe if you are Sheldon Keefe, testing him this way is one of the first uh, signs of whether or not you think he's going to be ready to control himself moving back in the lineup. So uh, the the story off of this, though, is how incredible Matthew Nyes has been for them. Uh, he's been on the ice for four goals, only one against, and should have been two against, but he has that incredible play, pulling the puck off the line. Truly one of, I think, the most spectacular plays of this entire playoff so far, just considering just the patience and the hands and everything that was going on and the stakes of the game. So Nyes is now looking like he's going to draw into the top six and it doesn't feel wrong to me. How does it feel to you? No, I, I, that's what I said. The, all those things that we were just talking about with, with how Bunting must be feeling and why he's not in the lineup, all those factors come into play. If Matthew Nyes was okay, uh, played all right, didn't look too out of place, didn't really do much, um, chances are, you know, if he if he had a bunch of blunders and wasn't really all that uh, looking confident, coach didn't have confidence in him, it would be an easy decision. Bunting would be back in. So that's, again, part of the mix. And you bring in a little different element. I thought Nyes has just shown that he can play with the pace at least at this point, he, he hasn't looked uncomfortable with it at all. He, he's had his couple moments where he's exposed the puck, but as as everyone knows, veteran guys do that as well. But I thought he's played exceptionally well, and he's looked confident, and he's looked like competent, which is even more important. And uh, I don't think there's been a factor in the last two, especially on the road in Tampa, where Sheldon has really had to protect him too much you think of even overtime he played against the Kucherov line his first two shifts of, of NHL overtime and that in itself uh, says an awful lot so 
there's another factor. You, you know, you just never know how the journey come playoff time is going to be laid out in front of you and played out. And there's another guy that gets an opportunity to play because of what Bunting did. And, and quite honestly, he's taken at least for this little spot, his spot in the lineup because he's proved that, you know what, I, I can give him a chance to keep playing a little more. That doesn't mean that he doesn't make a few big blunders and maybe the coach uh, figures it's time to sit up again. And, and again, that's the ups and downs that'll happen when you're just learning how to play at the NHL level, especially at the time of playoffs where it's so paramount to have trust in the players that you have. Do you like these lines that they appear to be going in tonight? And specifically, it's, yeah, Nyes in the top six with Marner and Tavares and Nylander back with Matthews. Do you, do you like specifically splitting Matthews and Marner? Uh, I don't know, but I, I understand why you're looking for uh, something. You know, I, I think having, there is no question that having Marner a few times with Nyes uh, allowed him maybe to have a little more freedom. And I think Nyes felt, you know, you get a chance to play with certain guys and you take advantage of it, right? And uh, I think there was a little bit of, oh, okay, this could be something good uh, coming out of this. So I think the one thing about this team the entire year, they haven't been at all adverse or afraid to to move guys around. I don't think it's really made that much of a uh, a difference, either negatively is the most important, I guess, but at times it's been a spark when things have happened. Ultimately, I think probably Matthews wants to play with Marner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you're looking at balancing your lines up and down. And I, I think everybody has the mindset and the attitude that uh, let's just go with this and let's make it work. You know, the, the one thing is this isn't the time to look over your shoulder and go, oh, I don't want to play with him or that, you know, you got to find a way to make it work. You, you got an opportunity tonight to win your first series of your hockey career, you know, as, as all these guys uh, uh, who have been here from the start anyways, you know, that's a big moment. So do whatever it takes to, to accept and embrace and drive your little game to another level. And uh, as I said, if you lose, you'll adjust and changes will be made. But I think the mindset has to be positive and moving forward with whatever it takes to get the job done. Well, how much do you think that's weighing on those guys heading into this game tonight? Like, like what are you going to be looking for to maybe be a positive <clears throat> indicator early on that they're, that they're not playing this one nervous. Cause it has been 10 consecutive elimination games as everyone's very painfully aware that this group has lost in a row. Well, that that's the thing you'd say if it, if it was your first time or first go around you go, well, I, you don't know what to expect. Well, yeah, uh, uh, painfully, these guys know exactly what can happen. I said there there are so many different ways to lose. Just just look at the Florida Boston game last night. You know, like they it's it's out of nowhere where you're like, oh my gosh, we can't believe we lost that game. So you you have that in the back of your mind. I I, I think you have to just take and harness the belief that that you are a good team. The belief that everybody can play and take their game to another level. The belief that you can play on, in outside of your comfort zone, but still be, be confident. You know, I, I think that's what they should be able to take. I, I, I would hope anyways, the, the history of the past and the moments that have happened have at least, you know, not in the top of their mind on a negative front, but more of a mind of, okay, 
things happen in games that you know you have to react to in a positive way. Don't get tight and be be proactive in that regard. They've been a good team the last couple of years. They probably should have beaten Tampa or could have beaten them definitely last year. They didn't. Okay, this is your opportunity again. They they only lost three in a row one time this year. They went 0-2 and 2 uh, in early in the season. This hasn't been a team that's gone on long stretches. So you got in your mind, you got three times to get this one over the finish line. But you start tonight with the, you say, I'm going to play my best game. And you know what? If we don't win, we'll go into Tampa and get it done. I, I know it's easier said yeah. than done. But but dwelling on the negatives uh, are are not a positive, you know, reinforcement. And I think you just got to learn from the lessons of the past and, and make sure that you take control of the game. So if they're skating, if they're checking, if they got their speed game and puck control game, then you're going, you know, that's the team that, that gives Tampa troubles, and that's the team that hopefully can find a way to get this one done. Boy, you doing that little laugh, though, when you said they got three chances to do it, that that hit me in the heart because <laughs> I felt the yeah, same. No. It, it, yeah, that that's the negative, though, right? Yeah. Like, it, as much as you say that's a positive, you know, yeah. hey, Tampa, Tampa in that room, mm-hmm. it, it's the same. It's the battle of wits, right? Mm-hmm. The Tampa in that room. Guys, just we get it back to Tampa. And our mind, like we got their mind going in so many bad negative directions, and that's that's what you try to do. You try to impose your will on your opponent. You take away their will to win. You plant a seed of doubt. All those things that Tampa has done over the last three, four playoff years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the challenge for Toronto. Right? You got to early on plant the seed of doubt in Tampa's mind that oh, we're not beating these guys tonight, mm-hmm. like. And we're not beating them three in a row. As much as those guys are professionals and want to win, there's your human dynamics too, man. Your body is hurting and you're playing as hard as you can and you don't believe you're going to win. You you gotta you have to try to initiate that if you're the Leafs and plant some of that seed into the mind of the Tampa Bay Lightning that it's not happening this year and you're in complete control. Yeah, you hope you see that tonight if you're a Leafs fan. That is where I do think Tampa has an advantage that probably has been a bit under-discussed. Just we've talked about, we always look at it through the lens of, well, that team struggled to get over the hump. And yes, they went on deeper runs, right? They made a cup final early on in the Vasilevsky years and Stamkos. And then, but they kept losing out. And then there was obviously the massive disappointment of Columbus. But for them, I would imagine that some of their core guys just know what it feels like when that pressure starts to mount and you haven't done it before and you haven't won. And being able to play to that, whatever form that is, towards Toronto, I would think has to be a bit of an edge to them. So, yes, people are looking for that, what you just discussed, that puck possession game that Toronto has. How do they get back to that, though, Craig? Because these last two games, I don't think that anyone who likes the Leafs would say that Toronto outplayed Tampa these last two on the road. It was just, yeah, they, they got the bounces. They got some puck luck. Uh, They were opportunistic. They got some good goaltending. There are positives from it. But, yes, what's step one for Toronto to establish the game that, yeah, you watched over the course of the regular season where this team was, yeah, fourth in the NHL in points? Yeah, I think that's kind of been the way that they've been all year, though, uh, as well. You know, they they haven't had the bad uh, long droughts, but they have had times where, it, their game kind of slipped a little bit. Their defensive game, I think, is is the cornerstone of everything. If, if you're playing well 
in that puck possession game, you're, you're not spending time in your own zone. So you're not getting exposed. You're not turning the puck over in your own end and, and getting hemmed in for long stretches. And, and that did happen at times in Tampa. But I, I think part of it is the understanding, and there's maybe a little of the maturity of, of this group that is now seven years into their NHL careers as opposed to one or two, mm-hmm. is that when, it, when the game's not coming, like, can you stay in the game? Like, can you keep it a one-goal game as opposed to being down by three and being out of it? Now, I know, granted, they came back from down four to one. That's an oddity, and that's, that's one of those moments that might be the catalyst to, to get you over um, but I think as a group, you've got to be tested and you've got to be put to that, you know, stress test of oh, we're going to lose this game and then finding a way to dig in, keep the game close. And that's sort of representative in the two overtime wins in Tampa. I mean, those are, it's all about a building and it, it's about building confidence. It's about building cohesiveness with your group. It's like trusting each other. It's going through a journey. That That's why having, a guy like O'Reilly, who's been on the side of getting through some of those tight games and winning, and even Shen in the same regard, even um, Achari, who's lost in the Stanley Cup final. Like getting that far, the journey there is such a windy one that it does make a difference when some of those guys say some things in the room that can calm everybody down or get everybody on a different perspective or get you rewired and rerouted and get back to playing. Let's not let this game go away from us now. And uh, it's hard to describe, but when you've lived it and seen it, sometimes getting pushed to that brink, uh, it just is what you need to, to understand the breakthrough moments. I mean, you don't win the Stanley Cup without the majority of your group having breakthrough performances at some point during the journey. And, you know, tonight is a night that ideally you'd say, you know, wouldn't that be something with all the history that this team has had for this group to come out and all have literally breakthrough performances where they're just not going to be denied. Now, we haven't seen that from this group in the past. But the opportunity is there, and fortunately for them now, they've got the opportunity for three in a row if uh, if, if they need be. That's why I thought it was so, like, obviously the goal by Ryan O'Reilly was critical to tie a hockey game that they didn't deserve yep. to win. But I thought it was even bigger for it to be that guy, for those players mm-hmm. to look around and go, you know what, this is different. We are different. This isn't the same. We have this guy totally. who's won a con Smythe with us in the dirty area of the ice, like scoring a huge goal in a massive game against a nemesis. Yeah. Like, no, and that's, that's the important, you're right, because that's what I said about belief, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, any, any seed of doubt in there of like, oh God, here we go again. I'm yeah. lose a tight one here. And I can't believe that we weren't able to get Vasilevsky hasn't been very good. Like that's mm-hmm. second year in a row. And last year, they had their chance with Vasilevsky not being great either until game seven, and he only allowed one, right? Yeah. And here you go again. You got another opportunity. You can't let this opportunity go by. I guess that's the, the one thing. And you're right to have O'Reilly, you know, do that to get you to the overtime and have one of your veteran guys. I always said the, the playoffs are the great equalizer. You know, you – you have a crappy regular season. Nobody cares a lick if you have a great playoff. Uh, but on the flip side, if you're thinking negatively, you could have your 
you know, 60 goal season of Austin Matthews. And if you have a bad playoff, that's all they're going to remember. So that's the, that's, that's where the playoffs are magical in that as a player. And, uh, you know, Morgan Riley's a great example, kind of not his offensive year, a little up and down, a little frustrated and who cares? So you get another big night tonight and you have a great first round and you're off and running. You know, that's where I think from a player's perspective, I always love the balance of playoffs because it, it's just this long, you know, four rounds. You just, can you play your best hockey for two months? Like that's all you got to be focused on. And having some new players along the journey that have the experience, I, I think do make it feel like it's different. And I, I get a sense of that a little bit with this group this yeah. year. I, I think a lot of us do. And I think if you're a fan, that's actually makes it almost harder because you're opening yourself up for pain, right? You're saying, you're looking at it and saying, you're, I, hard. you're already yeah. thinking negatively. Yeah. You haven't even got to the game. Hey, time yeah. Yet. But that's just <laughs> buddy. That is the, that is this fan base. <laughs> Welcome. It's I'm sure. I don't know if you've been reading the Twitter mentioned sometimes, or you just take a little scan of what the, the fan base is going through from time to time or uh, the building, how, like, let's put it this way. Uh, yeah. You mentioned how, the playoffs are the time for you to flip a narrative and how people are going to remember this. Marner has had a brilliant season, right? Just incredible year. And now what is it? Eight, eight, is it, how many points does he have? In the playoffs? He's got 10, 10, he's got right? Two, yeah. Two goals, eight, so leading the five. playoffs in points per game. If he goes out there on one of his first shifts and flips a puck over the glass, it's all gone. Yeah. Like, all of that, everything he did before it's immediately gone. The second they flash that penalty box and every single confirmation negative fan goes, I see that's exactly what I thought. Uh, okay. So last thing for me, anyways, what do you think of Toronto's blue line play right now? Because again, it's it, like clearly Morgan Riley and Luke Shen have been a revelation for these guys, incredibly important. But I think a lot of people are surprised by the way that the Brody-McCabe pairing has looked. And there's a lot of people questioning whether they think Brody is healthy. What, what do you make of the rest of the guys? Well, I, I think it, the health discussion is one that's an impossibility come mm-hmm. playoff time because nobody's playing, you know, without some sort of injury, especially as you go later on. I, I think, again, much like I said about um, the old bend, don't break. You know, I don't think you have to overthink the back end. You don't have to over overplay or be something that you're not. Uh, I, I think this defense is good enough um, especially against this team right now, anyways, this version of Tampa, that, you know, just be consistently um, standing up and aggressive on the line. You don't have to, oh, I think, over be overzealous offensively. At times, you know, you try so hard to get in the offense that you get a turnover and you're giving up too many odd man rushes. Uh, you know, I, I think, like all year, the the D is a bit of a work in progress at times. I think McCabe and Brody have had some ups and downs, but that's the pressure of playing against the top guys all the time. So, uh, once again, I think it's our, can they manage mistakes? And I think they've done a pretty good job of managing their mistakes to this point. So, uh, I think Shen has played his role. I, I worried that there might be a time where he has to come out if the if maybe even a different matchup if the speed gets too much but he's handled their speed pretty well and so overall i think you know there hasn't been the aha moment that he said oh you got to make a change there and i just think that like the team just keep it close 
stay in a rhythm, try to minimize, don't make the mistakes, grave ones that end up in the back of your net every time. And I think they've done a pretty good job at this point of doing that. Hey, Craig, um, I really appreciate the time, especially on a game day. Have a great call tonight. And have fun, I enjoy hope. watching. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. be too nervous, man. Yeah. It's okay. It's you don't be game, too nervous. Right? He's like, <laughs> you don't be too nervous. It's like everybody here is gonna be pretty nervous. It's gonna just gonna happen. You, but just you know what though? Maybe reiterate that a few times too at the broadcast tonight to leave his. Like, hey, just don't be too nervous. Just try to keep your yeah. keep your composure. Keep your composure. Thanks, Craig. All right, take care. See you, man. Uh, there he goes. Hockey in Canada, Sportsnet, and uh, yeah, Stanley Cup champion. All right, quick break. Let's come back. Whew, best bet won yesterday. No, not even a sweat. Whew, cruise through the game. Hit a massive parlay yesterday. Showed the boys. Pretty yeah. impressive. Pretty impressive. Pretty nice parlay. <laughs> Pretty nice gambling day for the fella. Um, a reality check for the Raptors as well. Quick break. That's next. This is a tough, uh, we're playing Blink-182, tough one because uh, for the podcast audience who, if you listen to the podcast, subscribe, leave five stars, do those things. And if you do those things, hit me up in the DMs if you haven't played Botano yet. And uh, yeah, I'll help you get started. But yeah, boy, Colorado. Oh boy. For champions, you sure look tight. You sure look tight, Colorado. Nathan <laughs> McKinnon having a little cry in the corner as the Kraken my West Coast team flying down the ice the other way and burying the go-ahead goal. Oh, McKinnon. Ooh, Looking beautiful while they do it, too. Oh, they tripped <laughs> me. Oh, actually, they didn't. You just got caught up in somebody's skates, Nate. <laughs> down you go. Crying you do. Cracking up 3-2. Yesterday was so nice. So, so nice. I watched a billion games. I, bi- I rotted. I don't want to look at my step counter for yesterday. It's a nightmare. <laughs> It's a fridge, couch, fridge, couch. That was it. Pretty much. Uh, maybe two to 3,000. Because I just, Jay's one o'clock. And then I basically got up like, oh, well, like one thirty in the morning when the Sacramento Kings game ended, just dead legged watching all these games. So, yeah, it was a fun one. Kikuchi was great. Mm-hmm. The Jimmy Butler finish just out of this world. Cannot believe he finished that one. You made the great point. Just why wasn't Brooke Lopez under the basket? It makes no sense. Two seconds left. Yeah. They have Giannis on the inbound. No Brooke Lopez in the game. You know what, though? I will say this. I think that conventional thinking there, I'm not, this is just devil's advocate, mm-hmm. that you're on the road. Milwaukee's going to go for the three. Or sorry, the Miami Heat are going to go, go for, for the three, three and try to, to walk it off there that they don't want to go to overtime. And then as the overtime was happening and mounting, you could just see the Bucks start to collapse mentally yeah. and the heat take over. And even Bam had a bio fouled out and still they found a way to win that thing. Mm-hmm. I think the fascinating thing is just, yeah, what Jimmy Butler is becoming to NBA history because he's just the boogeyman now. Yeah. He's having multiple runs where it's just this guy is the playoff guy. Mm-hmm. And he's averaging 37. In yeah, the, that'll in the, happen in when series. you score <laughs> 56 in one of the games. But yeah. yeah. And 42 again. Yeah. Like, no, he's insane. It's and it's just it's it's incredible that in a game with Giannis Antetokounmpo, unquestionably to me, the best player in the NBA. That includes mm-hmm. with Embiid and Jokic. Yeah. That you felt so much more confident about Jimmy Butler down the stretch than Giannis, especially with the free throws. Man, Antetokounmpo killed them in that game. Yeah. He missed a billion free throws, and then he was also missing some floaters and some bunnies around the basket that I think 
also had to do with tentativeness of, and this happened to him. It's funny because he, before he won his championship, right before he was kind of playing like that, a little afraid of the contact, missing some of his buckets because mm-hmm. he was afraid to go to the line. And then remember his most iconic game where he wraps it up and wins a title. He's at the line and he hits all of his shots. Yeah. He was 10 Fuck. for 23. Yeah. Woof. 10 for last 23. 10 Backbreaker, for 23 last man. night. Backbreaker. Unbelievably bad. Anyways, um, my poor Kangs, they're in the dirt. They're yeah. dead. They're yeah. not going to Golden State in game six and winning. I don't think so anyway. You can clip this. I maybe this put this in their <laughs> put this in their room, okay? Because I'm rooting for my Kangs. But nah, it <laughs> just, just have feels this clip on they repeat. had their shot. They had their shot and they needed to get that split in Golden State. I said yeah. it all along. They didn't get it. Well, with how good Golden State is at home, too, it's LeBron predictably blown out last night because yeah, they put such heavy miles on the tires and yeah, then John Moran was going to have a game. You knew he was going to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I'm so sad about my Kangs. And De'Aaron Fox gutted it out so hard. I love yeah. those guys. And then, yeah, the Panthers got outplayed all game long and they won a Leafsian fashion. Yeah. But just a little bit of a walk-off. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Flipping around and just hitting every single game and no real stress outside of the gambling stress, which was pretty immense, <laughs> which was pretty immense as the, the dollars started to rack throughout the evening, um, especially since my brother had an 18 to one bet on first basket score in the Kangs game. And he had it. It was Keegan Murray mm-hmm. parlayed with the Seattle Kraken victory and first basket in the Bucks game, which was Giannis Tenacumbo hit that one. Nice one for the kids. Keegan Murray is such a, like, that's a shout. Yeah. That's he's crazy. Always, he's been on Keegan Murray all year long and he's, uh, he's made me bet on Keegan Murray a million times <laughs> and I've lost every single time. And then the one time he nails this one and I it. didn't do it on uh, old Botano. So yeah, it's time for best bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the 2022 global Betting book of the year. Listen, I, I used Botano all yesterday. Early payouts. Just a, a ton, a ton, a ton of games on there. It's really an incredible book. It, it just, yeah. I I wish I've had this all along. Like, it's so <laughs> good. Uh, I, I just, I really don't think that it can be beat by basically any other thing that I've seen. And you know me, like I use a ton of, I've used a ton of apps. I've used them all. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Botano. Like, I genuinely love this book, and I think that everybody on the show that we've been, you know, all using it now uh, kind of agrees because a million different options. So tonight, uh, or yesterday, best bet recap, one, hit the under on Kansas City. They didn't score any runs in the entire game. I said it. They were facing Zach Gallen. It was a nice matchup. It was funny, too, because Gallen actually had runners on the corners with one out in the first inning, and I went, man. (laughs) you're gonna ruin this right away Zach and then boom punchies and yeah he they ended up getting out of the game so that's a win chalk that one up nice one hit that one tonight going back to the NBA uh Celtics minus 256 obviously that's too much that's they're on the road Atlanta I do like that as a parlay piece I just don't see them losing three in a row that was such a you want to talk about Bud being uh having a coaching nightmare Missoula in that game protecting a lead against Trey young and not ever sending an extra defender at him as he starts to barbecue the team in absolute lunacy. Yeah. But what I do like is there's a lot of talk about Jalen Brown right now. And a lot of talk about Jalen Brown wanting to be his own guy and maybe being the guy on the Boston Celtics. Do you know where Jalen Brown is from everybody? I do not off the top of my head. He's from Georgia. He's from Georgia. Atlanta, right? Yeah. Mm, it's He's going down Atlanta. to Georgia. 
midnight train <laughs> going to face his hometown team, potentially a place where maybe the rumors start to circulate this offseason that he wants to go there, wants to return to the Hawks. I have seen some jersey swaps on Twitter. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he wants to go home. He wants to impress the people. Here's the thing about Jalen Brown. Also, last couple of games, over 30 points in both. Since he took the mask off, mm. since he took the mask off, mm. he's a bucket. He's getting 30 a night. <laughs> His total on Botano right now, 26 and a half. Over. Jalen Brown points. The Georgia native. The bucket machine. The Celtics best player. Over 26 and a half points in an elimination game. That is your Botano best bet. Brought to you by me, J.D. Bunkus, winner of many bets yesterday. All right? So many wins yesterday. Might even <laughs> and just and Botano. Up. Yeah, and Botano. The game starts now. Best sports book in the market, unquestionably. Again, hit me up in the DMs if you're interested in either more picks or, yeah, getting started at Botano. I promise you that this is, this is the site to be at. Um, okay, so I also just want to quickly discuss in the Botano segment, in the best bet spot, a uh, couple of the Leafs. I'm not picking. I don't, you know me, I don't really like to bet on my team unless I'm at the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that I did put one heavy wager on the Leafs in game two, which was very nice because I just felt like, God, these guys need this one. How could they blow this one? Vindicated. Vindicated. Minus 154 tonight they are on Botano. Pretty juicy. The totals in this series, though, that's the interesting one, is that they keep it at six and a half despite there being a million goals in every single game. I'm surprised that it's still at six and a half, but I could see this one tightening up, so I don't mind that one at all. Uh, There are some very, very interesting props on Botano. Like some really, really interesting props. If you here's the thing: Do you need to make this game spicier for you if you're a Leaf fan, or do you do the happiness hedge move of just make sure that you bet Tampa at the plus n- number to make sure that you at least get some profit off of this sucker if your team lets you down again? But 351 options to bet on this game mm-hmm. on Botano right now. I can't tell if I want to do podcast stuff today. Yeah, let's do a little podcast stuff. Do yeah, little short- people need to know your thoughts on the email Doku comments, JD. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you're right. I didn't pay it off. So I'm gonna do email Doku in the podcast. And I got a couple of draft thoughts. I, I gotta I gotta let I gotta let loose on the draft here, okay? I've been <laughs> I've been I've been I've been, been taking in so much draft content and it's gone nowhere. So podcast only, leave five stars, go over to the podcast, uh, subscribe and review, and then I'll discuss those things there. All right. Like I said, podcast only portion of the show. Usually my favorite time. Secrets. <laughs> no Secrets. haters here. Secrets. Shh. <laughs> Leave five stars if you're here. If you haven't left if you're here and you haven't left five stars and you haven't left a review. I hate your guts. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I ask you for so little. You're such a scumbag. This is yeah. free content. Yeah. Just ask for wow. a review. Awesome. Dude, <laughs> I get to it right <laughs> now. Leave the review. Dude, oh come on. That's why you're my rotten soldier. You know, like you're number one, Austin. You're the number one guy in the crew. Leave a review, scumbag. No, Just yeah. do it. Austin, Austin will knife you for me. No, he will. <laughs> he he will. knifed me all uh, yesterday dude, for Arsenal. Austin is the man. He will just not hesitate. You, Austin, 100% the guy where you're like, whoa, nobody asked you to do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Yeah, 100%. Anyways, uh, I don't hate your guts. Just leave five stars for God's sake. Leave, <laughs> subscribe, do. and share. Do. do all those things. Um, yeah, it helps me out. Plus, 
uh, that's how you get more of these is if the podcast numbers go up, that's the way she goes. Then I'm more inclined to do this and <laughs> add to my day for free. All right. Mm-hmm. Leafs talk later tonight too. I should also give that a quick plug after yep. the game. Justin Bourne, myself, McKee, hopefully jumping on for a Leafs win and wrap that up. Celebration 60K views on YouTube last time. No big deal. Let's get back to this time. Thank you to those people that have watched, all those people that have supported Leafs Talk as well. Okay, so uh, I mentioned the Imeo Doku stuff. I actually didn't talk about this the other day when it happened. Mm -hmm. The whole Raptors thinking. I was watching Hoop Collective, I think it is. No, what's uh, Windhorse's podcast called? Hoop Collective. You know that. I'm watching Windhorse and McMahon and all those guys. Kicking it around, they're talking about the Raptors and like they've already got their coach. Yeah. <laughs> it's a topic for another day. It's a topic for another day. Let's mm-hmm. focus on the NBA playoffs. And I'm like, let's do the topic now. <laughs> topic. A. Keep going. Yeah. Hey, do that thing. Say those words. Everybody's assuming it's MA. Mm-hmm. He's been linked to the Raptors from the jump. Wodronowski tweeted out MA Odoku's name when the Raptors fired Nick Nurse. If you think, if anybody out there thinks he wasn't the Raptors' first choice, you're out of your damn minds. Mm-hmm. You are out of your minds. And I love there were some retroactive just piss babies out there that were like, good, Toronto avoided the media storm of having him Hidoka here. <sighs> yeah, I guess what? He went to Houston. It was fine. And nobody's <laughs> crying. And yeah, okay. He's getting a second chance, as many people do. And yeah, did the guy make a awful decision to... Seem, seems like he hooked up with somebody's wife. Mm-hmm. Not great. Not a cool guy. Are you trusting around your girl? Probably not. Handsome dude. Who is it? He's married to somebody famous too, right? Like, oh, who was it? Google this. I don't want to guess. That's a bad, that's a I'm bad. I'm not going to guess either because that's a bad I know who game. you're referring to, but I don't know the name. Neil Long. Okay. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> Big time hot. This is now the Neil Long show. Wow. Way to go, M.A. Blew it. Is he? <laughs> did she divorce him? Did she leave last him? year? They split in. They were never. They were never married in his defense. Yeah, they, they, uh, they were engaged. They were engaged. Okay, Long term partnership. Dude, I think what we call it now is a conscious decoupling. Is what happened after the email and Doku things. <laughs> conscious decoupling. Yo, Austin on fire today. All right. So, Ima clearly the Raptors' first choice. Clearly tight with Ujiri. Would have had some real symmetry between the two. He ends up going to the Rockets, which was kind of funny because Nurse was rumored to go to the Rockets. And then all of a sudden, it's just they break up and they think that they're getting together with people. And then, no, those, those two, two people, people get together. <laughs> so play the clip of Ime Odoka, who is at the his introductory press conference talking about why he chose the Rockets. No, just after the season, um, mm-hmm. you know, okay. obviously Houston and Detroit were the two that opened up immediately and Toronto right after that. But, um, you know, they reached out and contacted. Uh, they had done some homework behind the scenes, like they mentioned. And, and honestly, this is more attractive than a lot of the mid-level teams that kind of have that ceiling, that you know, five-seed ceiling. Some teams that do reach out, I'd rather start with the young core group and try to build something great here. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's like the harshest thing anybody has ever said. All the Raptors fans that always get upset about how, uh, hey, this is motivation. You disrespected us because the media members put us one spot down in a power ranking. Didn't put Pascal Siakam high enough on an untradeable players list. <laughs> Ime Odoka got offered the Raptors job and then went out publicly, sat down in front of every <laughs> member of the Houston media and said, yeah, this is a far more attractive job. They're like a five seed. He's not talking about Detroit. Detroit has Cade Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Detroit has Jay. Detroit's young. Yeah. 
the whole thing is he chose this roster over Detroit's young roster. Mm-hmm. Okay. He viewed this one as the more attractive with the upside out of the two young rosters. Got it. Although here's what I would have done. I would have probably waited a second, but seen what happened with one. You did it before they even secured the number one. Pick. That's, a, that's what I'm saying is I would have gone with, Hey, cause imagine Detroit gets women Yama now. Oops. Exactly. Which they very well could. Although it's... I will tell you this though. He's probably still gonna go live in Houston. <laughs> he's like the good lemon pepper wings. Right? Yeah, he's, lemon pepper. He's like, yeah, that's cool. That you seems gotta, like a good spot for him. It's true. Yeah, no, it's just it's Houston. It's yeah. taxes and lifestyle, and yeah, it's way. <laughs> Shout out to Detroit. Nice, nicer place than people make it seem. All right. Yes. But yeah, Houston's very Houston. Nice. Houston's very nice. <laughs> yeah. But also, there's a reason why they, he went there. Also, outside of just the young rosters, because yeah, roster for roster, the young two, I would argue that having, yeah, Cade is you're on Cade over Jalen Green. <laughs> yeah, thousand percent, even with the injuries. Um, okay, he's only talking about the Raptors with the middling roster that has a five seed that's older yeah. that doesn't have the upside. They have Scotty Barnes. What a shot at everybody! Shot at Scotty Barnes across the bow. Yeah, I'd rather be with Jalen Green. That's a better young future. Uh, shot across the bow a little bit at Masai Ujiri, seemingly because he's like, oh, I might have met with these guys and Masai's talking about running back the five seed squad, and mm-hmm. I went, no thanks. I'd rather be with the young, exciting dudes. That's a nightmare start to the offseason for the Raptors. Truly. I, I think it's a little understated because the things that are going on with the Leafs right now and nobody wants to talk about the Raptors because God, like they put out that tweet. What did oh it say? my goodness. It said Raptors family. What was your favorite moment from the past season? Hashtag we the North. Yeah. And Blake dunked on them in the perfect way. Where and Blake, said when it ended. Yeah. When it, and guess what? Brutal ratio. But guess what? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Very correct. Poor, Brutal rap, ratio. poor Raptors social media person that had to put that out. They went, what should we do for social day? Maybe we asked the fans what their favorite memory was of the moment. And one, one person <laughs> the, in the room was like, Ugh, their pretty. tweet only had like 240 likes. Blake got almost 900. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> yeah. The Raptors season was bad. That yeah. was as bad as it's been for a very, very long time. Again, yeah, especially the, for fans got so hyped about the trade deadline. Yeah, and then dude, just a hundred percent. And even, and even with, again, the pandemic season down in Florida, mm-hmm. you didn't have to pay through the ass for tickets and it was always a tank year where yeah. everyone was on the, with the program early on and went, yeah, the Raptors are tanking. They're trying to get a pick and they got rewarded with Scotty Barnes and it felt worth it. Mm-hmm. No one was sitting there going, what's happening here. This Raptors team was miserable, yes. awful. And they doubled down on them for God's <laughs> sakes. The one oasis in the misery desert was the trade deadline. And Masai went, uh, yeah, I'm giving up my first round pick next year for the big white. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Why? What, what did you just call Jakob Hurdle? The Big White. The Big White. Yeah, it's a great nickname. I uh, that's my new nickname for him. Thank you. And you're like, okay, <laughs> okay. Why? Why are you doing this? Now you enter the offseason. You go, okay. They're firing Nick Nurse. Not great. He won a championship a couple of years ago, but at least they're going to get him Aodoka, who was probably. NBA's best coach a couple of years ago, got a ton of credit for the culture that he built in Boston development guy, mm-hmm. friends with you, Jiri. Maybe they get the culture back on track and then he zags out of town and then dunks on the Raptors publicly <laughs> and basically leaks the script that the Raptors still want to run it back and be a five seed nightmare. What yeah. are they doing? This is gross. Yeah. This is really, really bad. This is a five alarm fire in It could have gone land. worse than that. I know. It's unbelievable <laughs> that we've already just 2019. Hell, not even 2019. Bubble playoffs. 2020. 
Mm. Where the Raptors was a gutty, fun team that everybody loved so much. They that almost all beat Boston. Su- that all of a sudden the power rankings in the city of just front office you trust and, you know, coaching staff, well, there's non-existent. Players, players you, like. you like. Ceiling of a team that they're at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Woof. Nightmare. Anyway, M.A., that hurt. <laughs> and now the Raptors, it, you, where do you turn? Who's the coach that they're going to bring in here? You at least felt like, hey, they were going to try to bring in somebody special to replace Nick Nurse. If you're going to fire a former, another former coach of the year, mm-hmm. you want to bring in someone special. And yeah, all right. They go internal. You want to go internal with a guy that was already here with the team last year with Earl Watson. Mm-hmm. Some people are talking about Jerry Stackhouse, who's never coached in the NBA. What are you talking about? <laughs> what, what's going on here? Like, what, what are we doing? Anyway, the, the Raptors are in a tough spot right now. They absolutely fired Nick Nurse at that time to make sure that they could get in on MA before he got soaked up by one of those other jobs. Mm-hmm. And a week later, Udoka's Do you mean anything worse for the Raptors or for Nick Nurse? <laughs> Way worse for the Raptors because Nick Nurse probably looking at like Milwaukee dude, or something no, like Nick that. Nick Nurse is beyond satisfied. They'll definitely have a job next year. And you think Budenholzer might, Bud might not survive this. Nick I don't Nurse, think Nick Nurse it. could. Straight up, Nick Nurse could end up in with the Sixers or the Bucks, and it would. Chances be the, it lights a fire under Masai to do something massive this offseason. Yeah, but it's like, what do you do now? Yeah. Yet th- you probably lost out on this coach in part because of the way your roster is built and yeah, the yeah. No, you're 100%. lack of flexibility that you were probably willing to have with it. Why would they all of a sudden again? They weren't happy with the deals that were at the deadline last year. They're not going to let Fred walk for free. Mm-hmm. Maybe they let Trent walk. Which boy, or whatever the hell happens there, it's like in a weird way, from a Raptor standpoint, from an asset management standpoint, giving everybody big contract extensions is the smart way to do it. Yikes, man! No, it's 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 bad. It's really bad for the Raps. Goes back to what Grange said last week about like the the two seasons ago when they actually rattled off forty eight wins. Like there's fool's gold there because it's it's kind of screwing them over now where they felt like they could keep running it back. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks, man. It really sucks. It's, it's depressing. And honestly, I, I was really high on Odoka. Mm. I was really excited for that. I watched, obviously, that Celtics season. He was incredible. And even you just see what, with the Celtics, a bit of a step back with a different head coach. Like, I know that they wouldn't have lost that game the other night at home with Udoka as their head coach mm. instead of Missoula. So, yeah, I think the Raptors are in a really, really tough spot. Basically, just like the one thing that seemed that it was going to be an easy line to draw bringing in this caliber of a coach is gone. It's tough. Anyway, I'm going to move to NFL draft. I just have a couple of thoughts with this. All right. I'm so sick that I can't watch it. I'm going to record the entire thing on both networks and watch it straight up after Leafs talk. It is crazy. I know it sucks. I can't remember it overlapping with a Leafs still going on. Me neither. I've never, I I can't remember this. This sucks. (laughs) NFL draft. Okay. It's so funny with NFL draft because people always go that aren't fans of it. They're like, why can't you just look at the picks after? Who cares? It's not the same. It's It's, so good. It is so good. It's why is it so good? (laughs) Why is it so good? When so many of these players we've never seen before, it's the stupidest reactionary thing ever. Like uh, PFT commenter does this thing where he's like, if you like draft grades reminder of this, that the Seahawks got the only F of the 2012 draft because they took Russell Wilson and they took Bobby Wagner and Bruce Irvin and they got hammered for those three picks by, I think it was Mel Kuyper. Oh no, it was Bleacher Report thing. There's a Bleacher Report article. They did the instant grades and they're like, Russell Wilson, worst pick of the draft, doesn't fit their system. Bobby Wagner, what are they doing taking a linebacker? And Bruce Irving, awful pick. What a huge reach. Again, those guys were all massive parts of Seattle's Super Bowl win. Um, So yeah, it's it's basically the worst time of the year for takes. 
mm-hmm. because all the casuals and I'm myself included. Okay. We all get our hopes up for a certain player because we think about the best version of that player they could be. Right. Yeah. So in my mind, as a Seahawks fan, I want either Jalen Carter mm. or Anthony Richardson. Mm. That's where I'm at. And then CJ Stroud somewhere in there in terms of my complex feelings where I say, are we really going to pass on that guy if he's there? And somebody wrote an article about quarterbacks with Anthony Richardson's experience level uh, yesterday. And I read it and it was bad. It was not very good. (laughs) That being said, God, the physical ability of that guy is just so tantalizing. He's inhuman. Oh, man. Even just give me three, six seasons, bro. <laughs> anyway, that's what I'm at as a Seahawks fan. Those are the guys that I want. Is I'm, You know me. I'm a guy who loves the freaks. Mm-hmm. I want the freaks. Athletic freaks. That's what I want. That's what I want to see in my pro sports. That's why I watch pro sports. I don't want to watch a bunch of jobos out there. Like, that's... What, <laughs> yeah, dude? That's, that's nothing. Like, no, I, I agree. I wouldn't want to watch me either. Freaks. I want to see freaks. And Jalen Carter, freak. Anthony Richardson, freak. CJ Stroud, stud. Looks yeah. like a stud. Loved him in college. Now, like, I, again, I'm somebody who watched maybe seven or eight of his games and so it's not exactly like I'm Mr. Expert here. I yeah. just I really liked what I saw. I like the way he throws the ball. I like the poise that he had in the pocket. I think that to me he was actually the guy that I would have always wanted over Bryce. Mm. Um the Bryce Young thing scares me a little based on watching Kyler, someone that small and I know he's Mr. Man instead of Bryce, who's Mr. Mature or sorry, about Kyler who's Mr. Mature. Yeah. But still, dude, I watched Russell Wilson struggle to hit those passes over the middle. And I know what it's like seeing those quarterbacks get hit if they do take contact. And I've seen Kyler Murray be sick stat fantasy quarterback, tough championship quarterback. So I have my reservations when it comes to literally who is going to be the smallest guy in the NFL. And he's slight too. He's not jacked like Russ. It's not like a big guy who can take a little bit of a contact. He's a slight frame. Bryce Young is listed at six foot one ninety four. Yeah. That's just what he's listed. Guess on the what? He's not at all that mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, that's inflated. You think if bit. he was, let's that's inflated. It. You think if he was six feet, that that's would be inflated. a story? Yeah. Like they're like this tiny little guy, six wonder, feet tall. I wonder who no, like measured that. No, that's not. I don't know where you got that information. But the he's, athletic. I'm he's reading five it. seven. I'm reading it. He's off five the foot seven. He's five eight. No, I know. I'm not saying you're wrong. The most. I'm not saying you're wrong. Anyway, just... um, yeah, because Kyler Murray is five foot nine something. And he's shorter than Kyler. So you're taller than Kyler facts. There you go. Although there's nothing more humanizing than when I watch Kyler Murray running around and I'm like, look at that little guy. I'm like, he's the same size as you, except for he's jacked <laughs> and in shape and fast and cool and rich. No, but the Kyler easily... one is just so tough because we're almost the exact same size. Like I'm a little bit taller than Kyler Murray as measured. Or you're taller by like, well, it was like literally two... half an inch. Yeah. Half an inch. Yeah, half an inch taller than Calumar. <laughs> Way to go for me. Uh, not nearly as in good a shape. Anyways, okay, so seems like Bryce Young is going to go first. Seems like the Texans are completely doing Texans things at two where they're just all over the map. Uh, I don't, my advice to the Texans would be just take CJ Stroud. Do not <laughs> overthink this. If he's a bust, do the thing that the Cardinals did with Kyler. I don't know why organizations are just completely reluctant to do that. If you end up with number one next year, which is a possibility and Caleb Williams there, just grab him, mm-hmm. go with him, trade the asset. That could be a young quarterback. That'd be worth a ton. I've yeah. never understood that idea of you cannot take the two bullets with a position that is the most important in professional sports. And if you're the Texans, if you're their fans, you come out of there with the Texas tech kid. Oh, <laughs> who's the athletic dude, but not the production guy who popped off in one year. That's scary to me. 
That is really, really scary to me. Um, I think Arizona has to trade down if they don't like, here's Mm. the thing. I'm a Seahawks fan. You know what? I don't want to see Arizona trade down. All right. So if you're a Cardinals fan, you're one of the 18. Plus it's a Colts. If they switch with the Colts, it's okay for you. The Cardinals and the Colts. Yeah, the Cardinals and the Colts yeah. switch. It That'd doesn't really do too much I don't, to I don't see the point of that for the Colts. Just to beat anybody else from Gary. Yeah, I guess if that's the case. But yeah, I think the Colts apparently really love Will Levis, which is fine by me because there's a potential for me to end up in a spot where Seattle can pick um, any of Jalen Carter, Anthony Richardson, or CJ Stroud, mm. which actually puts me in a bit of a pickle because then my true feelings will be revealed. You know what's so fun about the draft too is you always think about it like, how could I get everyone <laughs> how could my team get all the sick guys it's this like weird fantasy you build up in your brain maybe jalen carter falls yeah to like, it's just weird anyway it's a very strange one i'm gonna be so mad when seattle takes hayden hooker at seven yeah well that's not gonna, uh, hayden hooker and hooker yeah oh thank you joe and also yeah uh <laughs> He's he's creeping up the boards, man. Watch out. He's he's gonna go in the first round. I would if you could find sure, that on Patano, I would bet that he, on Patano. He might. Uh, there's changing philosophies that I've heard about this, where because of his age, yeah. Back in the day, people would have been like, absolutely not. But now they're thinking, why not? Why not take a bunch of years of this guy? He's still gonna be on his rookie deal, and then you don't even necessarily. And by the time he's thirty, you don't have to pay him exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I think that there's definitely. You're, you're probably right that a team is gonna take. It's gonna him. be the Titans. I'm really interested to see where <laughs> Bijan Robinson goes because I think that this is gonna be one of the biggest like fantasy implication things ever especially if you're in a fantasy or a dynasty league or a keeper league. Mm. Like I think Bijan Robinson is going to break my league's record in terms of how much a guy goes for. And there's real legitimate potential that he goes to the Eagles, which is insane, which I'm against as someone who hates the Eagles. And if you can't tell, I hate every single football team that isn't mine. So yeah. <laughs> uh, and I kind of like the bills actually, yeah. but the bills fan base also kind of annoyed me this year when they got really front runnery when it was early on in the season and mm-hmm. then they completely zagged off their team later in the year. It was just a bad fan move. I'm just saying it was, it was not good fan comportment in my comportment. opinion as a evaluator of such things. All would, right. Would you take a running back in the top 10 given like how the salary structure works now and how like would Bijan Robinson have to be a top three pick in order to justify no, him being taken in the top 10? Wait, a top three running back in the league next year. Are you talking about fantasy league? No, I, NFL value-wise. So value. the NFL draft, would I take him as top 10 pick? Yeah. Like the, tonight. I de- so let me look at the NFL draft board again. So cur- currently Daniel Jeremiah has him going eighth to Atlanta. That would be stupid. That would not make sense to me. Mm. Like, I, listen, I'm not saying it's stupid that Daniel Jeremiah has said it mm. because that's fine. No, are you sure that he doesn't have him as the eighth best guy in the draft? Or yeah, Atlanta Falcons pick number draft? eight, Bajon Robinson. Okay, here's my thing about that. You already did the the tight end move where you mm. were like, we got the tight end, Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Pitts, and he's the man, and we got the skill position guy. And, and they got Drake London. It's like, maybe if you're Atlanta and you're picking eighth and one of those quarterbacks falls there, that's what you should be doing. Or they should be focusing in on like... Uh, Defense? No, I was going to say that Peter Skronsky guy, the tackle could end up being there in their spot. There's just a couple of guys that could end up being in their spot that I'd much rather see a team like mm. Again, I only put myself through the eyes of a fan, not through I'm a professional who's evaluating these things. Right, but if right. I was a Falcons fan, I you're you're excited by B. John Robinson, but you're going, when, when are we going to get the guy that is our quarterback who helps us win? Because yeah. they took the kid last year that I actually kind of wanted for the Ritter. Seahawks, Ritter, but then he didn't look very good when they put him in there. And yeah, he's a rookie, but I don't know. Mm. Feel like it's you a want sh- heavy offense too. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like you want to really show something. Anyways, I-, I wouldn't be very thrilled about that if I was them. 
Uh, yeah, I would say that though, it's funny because he's definitely, he's, I would say the most interesting players in this draft in terms of where they go unquestionably, right? Will Levis. Yep. Anthony Richardson, yep. CJ Stroud, the quarterback, because Bryce Young is done. Like he's the top quarterback. Yeah. He's going there. It's, it's not even interesting at this point. It's those three quarterbacks, right? No doubt about it. Yep. Hooker is not in that mix. He's the bonus lottery guy, Bijan Robinson, and then Jalen Carter, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Those five. And my Seahawks are rumored to be in on three of the most interesting guys. Jeremiah and they're has, kind of the hinge point of the draft. So no big deal, but we run the draft. We run the show. Jeremiah has Carter at five. Yeah, I know. Seattle. A lot of people think that. Mm. The only thing I will say is that as a Seahawks fan, they drafted a guy named Malik McDowell a couple of years ago, and he was a second-round pick, but it was their top pick. Mm. And he was also involved in crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for how you're going to lightly well, okay. say that. Well, no, but it's funny because everyone points to Malik McDowell thing, but also Seattle took Frank Clark and Seattle took Bruce Irvin. It's not like these guys have been completely reluctant to go with the dudes who have been involved in criminal activity yeah. before they take the game, who've been accused <laughs> of <laughs> off the field issues. Anyway, I'm, I'm ready for just if Seattle. Yeah. Those five, six, seven picks are really interesting. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. That's where I think it could go off. Yeah. I would say that my only nightmare is Seattle. Although I don't even want to say this on record because it's like, then I have to embrace, but I would, I would really not be down with Seattle getting Will Levis. That would scare me. Mm. Yeah. I'm not in on him. No, nah, I'm not in. I'm not in. What a weird smoke around him lately. It's mm. very, very odd. Anyway. And, and part of me goes, I, I really don't want Seattle to trade back. Even if it's more picks, I right. just, I kind of want one of those stud blue chippers. That's there. I put that year in of hating Russ. I want my reward the, to be the, the big prospect. The guy I yeah. want to be able to point to the Russell Wilson trade with a Denver fan. If I ever met one and be like, thanks for Anthony Richardson hall of yeah. fame, you know, like that's nice. Or like Jalen Carter. Yeah. And you just cleaned up last year too. Yeah. It was but, a good draft for Seattle. Last yeah, year. it was all right. It was a, it was a good draft for Seattle. It was good, but they've had so many bad ones in a row. And I do think that some of the guys that they got last year have been a little overhyped, mm. but yeah. Um, either way, it's a nice step in the right direction, but I, I would really like Anthony Richards. If I'm being <laughs> honest, that's the true thing that I want. And I know he could, he could be totally a, a huge bust, right? But just the idea of having the potentially coolest, most athletic quarterback in the NFL at some point is and Gino like Smith if, mentoring him could be a good thing. I don't know. Don't invite him to any Gino, football Gino doesn't run a lot. I bet on his rushing a lot. No, no, it's not. It's a, that's not what it's, he's not going to teach him how to run, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that's the, what the, they need. Gino, Gino, show this guy what you learned. Show, show this guy camp. how to hurdle like, someone. Yeah, no, what are you talking about? No, that's not it. Anyways, I'm very excited for the draft. And uh, yeah, I'm officially the oldest man alive because guys are just like Joey Porter Jr. being in there. It's just that stuff makes me sick. <laughs> I, that makes me feel Robert horrible. Harrison Jr. Yeah, next year is going to be I disgusting. Know. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's painful. Anyways, uh, I'm very excited for the draft. I'm going to record them and I'm going to watch both back to back, like just flipping. So good. I cannot wait for the NFL draft. It's, it's going to be really hard not to just do a quick little channel change with Seattle's on the clock. It's going to be hard not to just put a little flip, put it on the little intermission flip on the second screen. Um, anyway, uh, let's wrap this up. Let's go. Uh, we're going to do some other stuff, but yeah, like now we're already at 30 minutes. So subscribe to this podcast, leave five stars. I'll recap everything tomorrow. Go, let's go.